On this episode, we discuss two big improvements for retirement plans to help you have a tax-free retirement. We dive into how SEP IRAs just got better, how college saving can now be converted to retirement saving, and lastly, how to get money out of a 401k penalty-free. As always, if this episode helped you or brings you value in any way, please do me a favor and share it with a friend. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Build Your Wealth Muscle. If you are a first-time listener, welcome to the show. And let me describe quickly, briefly, the uh, the two formats that we have. So the first one is like today. It's a solo episode where we can go pretty deep on specific areas of finance, tax, wealth management, business planning, like fractional CFO work that we do, and give you step-by-step instructions on different strategies. The other way, uh, the other format is we bring on a guest and they could be a colleague of yours talking about the successes and challenges in their fitness business. And also when it comes to guests, it's people that support your industry, whether it's other accounting professionals, marketing, sales, um, legal, whatever it is, like areas of expertise that I don't have or are complementary to people I like I outsource to, um, just to bring you different things that that hopefully are helpful for for your business. But today, obviously, you saw the the title when you clicked on this. Um, The main takeaway or or this solo episode, the main two takeaways that I want you to understand that new legislation that was just passed, Secure Act 2.0, we're going to dive into some of the the benefits of it, changes slash benefits. But the two big takeaways are there's now more ways to build a tax-free retirement. The second thing that's important is retirement plans get a lot of negative publicity, depending on who you ask, because they have the quote unquote inability to access your money uh, when you need it, or if you need it, I should say, when you're not retirement age. And there's been a lot of things in this bill or this law now to help you access the money if you need it before age 59 and a half when all the 10% penalties disappear. So let's dive right in. Uh, Hopefully this isn't too long of an episode, but I feel like I say that a lot and then uh, it ends up going longer than anticipated. But the first thing is the SEP IRA. That's for those who may or may not be aware, the SEP IRA is like a quote unquote competitor or sister to the solo 401k. The reason is it has the same contribution limits. The downside has always been that a 401k, you can take it in two flavors. You could go traditional 401k, which means you get a tax deduction. And then, or you can take the other flavors, 
there is no tax deduction, but the money comes out tax-free versus the traditional 401k. There is a tax deduction, but the money comes out taxed in retirement. The Roth never, or sorry, the SEP IRA never had that feature, that the ability to go Roth. Now it does, which is really impactful because one of the things that a lot of times people don't like about, like I'll say myself, I, that I typically didn't like about the SEP IRA is that depending on where my client sits on the tax brackets, it may not be that impactful to get them the tax deduction. So you want to do what you can to put that money in tax, uh, post-tax, meaning if you're only in one of the lower, like the 24% tax bracket, you might say, yeah, I'll, I'll pay that tax today. And then not later, if you're going to anticipate growing your business, growing your wealth, growing your, your, all of your income streams. Now the SEP IRA can do that as well, which is really helpful because it's a lot easier to, to set up. There is significantly less cost and maintenance and things like that. So that gives business owners a, a really big advantage now, especially for those that um, may not have planned as well, because there's a late, a later ability to defer into it. So that's the, the first way is the SEP IRA uh, now can go Roth, which is awesome in my opinion. The second way is inside of these 401k vehicles, there's essentially three buckets. There's the first bucket, which is the employee deferral side. Then there is the profit share, which is contributed by the employer. And then you have another after-tax employee bucket. I'll disregard the third one for a, a minute. Well, permanently, I'm not going to talk about it today. But typically, the first and third bucket, you have the ability to go post-tax, which was nice. Or is nice. <laughs> it didn't go away. But that middle bucket where the employer, which could be you in this scenario, if you're by yourself in a solo 401k or you just have a, a small team, you, the employer, when you did that profit sharing component, it always had to be pre-tax, like a, a tax similar to like a traditional IRA, meaning your business got a tax deduction. Your employee didn't pay taxes on that money because it's not income to them yet. And then in retirement, they pay taxes on it. Now that employer profit sharing bucket can go Roth, meaning post-tax. So the business still gets a deduction, but you as the employee, that will be current income this year. So it's a nice benefit. Again, <clears throat> the general theme when if you're, maybe I didn't say this clearly in the beginning, but the general theme of a Roth for people who talk about it a lot, myself included, is that depending on where you fall, you might be in a favorable tax bracket, either currently, meaning you may be in the, some of the lower 20% brackets or lower, depending on where your profits are, but also historically, like I don't know where the, the tax bracket's gonna be in 10 years, but historically speaking, if you go back to the 80s and beyond, we're in a really favorable tax bracket currently. So the fact that there's all this Roth option, meaning post-tax, like you pay the tax, you put the money in, it grows tax-free when you get in retirement, it is also tax-free. So that's why I said in the beginning, more ways for you to build a tax-free retirement, not tax-free now, tax-free retirement. So that's really valuable. Obviously, the IR, no, I shouldn't say obviously, the reason that this is allowed 
and that they're pushing this is we are we're a, a nation with a lot of debt. So this is going to help people pay more taxes today. So the country in theory is going to collect a lot more dollars by people saying, I'll pay my taxes today. And then I won't pay any taxes when I'm 70. Like if they do everything right or strategically this way. So that's, that might be maybe something I should explain in the beginning, why this is so cool and why the IRS and Congress is so cool with this, because they know a ton of people are going to start paying a lot of taxes right now, strategically hoping that, you know what, I'm going to be, these assets are going to be worth a ton. I'm going to be making a lot of money later on in retirement. And I don't want all these assets that are producing income to make my tax situation even worse in retirement. So the next way we can do a Roth, 529 plans. 529 plans are college savings accounts. They have a lot of advantages and disadvantages. I don't love them, but I, I think they're the better of not a ton of great options when saving for college um, because they have higher contribution limits and also other people can contribute pretty easily. Like I contribute each month to both of my nephews, 529 plans. Hopefully they, they go to college. Who knows? Maybe they get a scholarship. Maybe they start a business. I mean, I'm hoping they join Darby business advisors, but so far that's only my dream. But the, uh, the 529, the knock on it has often been, well, what if these kids don't go to college? The money kind of gets stuck in there. And that is, a, that is an annoying problem. Now you can pass it along to somebody else. And so you might switch your plan to like, okay, well, like in my instance, like, oh, I want my nephews to go. Okay, they didn't go. Well, maybe their kids will go. And we just, we just, um, we just move it to somebody else. So you can just change who is the beneficiary. I mean, the person going to college and keep kicking the can down the road. But that's, I think in general, without going on a tangent about where higher education is today in the United States. I think we're going to see more things like this where now the 529 can be converted to a Roth IRA. I think there's going to be a lot more things that you can do with the 529 in the future, just because I think around the country, parents are saying, yep, like these are cool plans. What the heck am I going to do? Like, I don't want to send my kid to school. Like I've gone to a few of the trade shows like under Trump, the 529 plan did get extended. It, it allowed people to use it for private education in high school as well as grade school. Typically, it was just for college. So that was a cool feature because, again, parents want to use these and uh, if their kids aren't going to school. So they also extended it to like different trades, which is awesome. But they didn't extend it enough, in my opinion. Or if, you, if anyone knows anyone, help me champion this. Because the challenge we're running into is um, you have to apply to be 529 eligible. So I have gone to multiple, the fitness expos, not fit expo, but like the fitness expos and talked to some of the major educators. I'm not going to say their names here, but I've talked to some of the major educators for the CPT. And I was like, can, can you guys apply to this for this federal program to get 529 eligibility? And so far, not, none that I'm aware of are doing that. But I think that would be awesome for our industry, for people to be able to use their 529 plans to get the certified personal training or any of the designations that you guys want in the fitness space that currently 
as I'm aware, no one is eligible for 529. But in theory, they could be, but they have to go through a, a registration and approval process. Um, so I'm hoping that the 529s get extended even further to start including things like that. Like in theory, why couldn't you go to a business program that like once of the many that are very popular and successful to teach you how to grow your business, grow your revenue, grow your marketing. Why can't some of those programs go through whatever application approval process and accept $529? I would like to see that happen. If anyone knows how to do that or is trying to work on that, DM me or email me because I would like to help you. Like that's, that's something that makes no sense to me that our industry and so many like it um, there's a lot of entrepreneurs with potentially this money from their parents that, you know, there might be like 20 K just sitting there and they can't pull it out because it's, if it's not used for a qualified reason, they're going to get hit with a 10% penalty. So, so that being said, the 529 now you can roll a portion of it into a Roth IRA. Now there's a ton of restrictions on this. So it's not actually that sexy of a, a thing, but Hey, it's better than nothing. Um, the 529 plan has to be open for more than 15 years. So if you're a young parent and your kid is very young, get that 529 plan open. You don't have to do much, put a hundred bucks in it, start that 15 year clock. So the other, the other problem with that is the last five years of contributions are not eligible to be rolled. So it's kind of a weird thing in that if you start it now and your kid's like one, when they're 16, they're eligible to start doing the rollovers. But in theory, most of the contributions might've come in the last five years. Like I know a lot of parents, they don't really start to plan ahead for college until their child's a little bit older. So, and the other downside is the maximum lifetime transfer is 35,000 per beneficiary. So again, it's not crazy. It's, it's really not amazing, but it's a great start because I like to see parents get as much money as possible into Roth IRAs for their kids. And we've talked about on other podcasts that if you're paying your kids, that can be tax-free money because if it's coming out of your business, there's up to a certain limit, you pay no tax. Then you put it into these retirement vehicles for your children that don't pay tax on the way out. So if you find a way to get the money in without a tax, that's even better. Now, 529s aren't in that same vein. So there's, there's a few things there that, that I won't dive into here, but this is pretty cool, not amazing, but it's a great start. So if you have a 529, awesome. Like there's going to be some utility that you didn't previously have. If you do not and you have a young kid or if you know somebody who has young kids, get that 529 started. If you don't get a state tax deduction, that could, I mean, obviously it'd be better to get a state tax deduction. That's what 529s do, but not all states allow that. So if you're in a state where they don't allow that, you can grab a 529 from basically any state. So that's something that's nice. Now let's pivot to back to retirement accounts to talk to, to you about them, not from a tax-free growth perspective, but rather from a liquidity perspective. Because the big knock I hear on retirement accounts, especially by people who really like the insurance side of things versus 401ks and retirement plans is the illiquidity of retirement plans. And that's that's a fair statement. There is not a lot of liquidity. If you try to pull the money out and it doesn't and you don't have a quote 
quote unquote qualified reason, you do get hit with taxes and penalties. So while the penalties are there or the taxes will probably be there either way, but it's the penalties most people are trying to avoid. So this is going to give you a few more options so that you don't have those penalties. And so let's go through those. Oh, as a side, before we dive into that, like when I compare insurance to these, um, the one thing I do want to point out, and I've talked about this before when I talked my episode about self-directing, see if I can quickly reference which episode that was episode 32. So I believe that aired in May of 2022, May 4th of 2022, episode 32, self-directing investing in a fitness business. Obviously it doesn't matter what you invest in, but the, the idea of self-directing is, is one big caveat that I have to people in the, that really like the index universal life. And I don't totally hate them, but there's a, I don't think they're as useful. I think a lot of people, you think they're, everyone should have them and lots of them. And I don't agree with that. I think there's a specific use in, in all of insurance. And I don't know why I shouldn't get on this topic, but all of insurance, I feel like it has a use case and it is commonly pushed as a be all end all. And I don't like that because there is a tremendous amount of commission made by the person selling it. So I don't usually like the incentive of the person who's telling me uh, because that's typically all they sell and they say everyone should have it. That's a, <laughs> that's like pharma right now. Like we're all dealing with that, with all, everything going on in the news as I'm recording this, the injuries that are happening for people. <laughs> I don't know if any buzzword will get this censored, but you get the idea. You know, we're hearing in the fitness space that diet and exercise is completely secondary to just take a pill or take a, take a jab. So, um, I, I feel the same way in the insurance industry. A lot of, a lot of people, that's their answer for everything. And that, that just, uh, sends a million red flags to me. So because you can use self-directing and that gives you a lot of the same options that people talk about the insurance has that retirement accounts do not have. So let's get into some of the ways where if you're talking about investments, again, the investments, you can go apples to apples a little bit in insurance. But now let's talk about ways to access your money. Because the goal when you put money into a retirement account is set it and forget it or set it and then only use it for investments. If you need to pull the money out, that's typically a problem. Now, here's some ways that you can. If you are in what is called a qualified disaster recovery area. So this can go back to like, these are similar to like a COVID type of thing where if you're in a disaster area, you can take out a lifetime distribution, like $22,000. Your primary residence must be located within this federal disaster area. And it's repayable for up to three years. So that's, that's pretty cool ability. I mean, obviously if you qualify, something terrible happened to you, but you have the ability to access $22,000. And actually I shouldn't have said that it, something terrible happened to you because if it, it's similar to the COVID thing. A lot of people use that as an excuse to do something productive with their 401k, even though they weren't personally impacted by it. That happens all the time in these federal disaster areas as well. Terminal illness distributions. So it applies to both IRAs and 401ks. 
So terminal illness, they broadly defined it. So I think a lot of people end up qualifying, but essentially it means if they think you'll pass away within the next seven years, you can start to take the qualified distributions from your retirement accounts. So obviously no one wants to qualify for that, but that is one thing that I hear as a pushback in like the insurance versus the retirement accounts is that with insurance, if you've got a cash value and you're coming towards the end of your life, you don't necessarily want to take money out of like pay all these penalties to pull the money out, whereas you could access the cash. Um, these, this is meaning for younger people. And when I say getting towards the end of life, I mean, because of some illness, not obviously natural causes, because that would change things by the numbers. But um, another one, victim of domestic abuse. So some of these don't start right away. Like this one starts in 2024, but it applies to IRAs and 401ks. Uh, the maximum distribution is $10,000 or 50% of the, let's call it the balance, but it's vested balance. Um, basically meaning your money, not if or your, your company contributed, that may not be your money yet based on your vesting schedule. But so that's $10,000 or 50%. Um, must be taken within, within one year of the incident of abuse and you have three years to repay it. So sometimes just getting the money is the important part. I mean, a lot of these, you do have to pay them back. Um, but what's nice about that is that repayment is to avoid it being called taxable income. So it's essentially a loan. And if you don't pay it back, then you have it, but you get that loan without a penalty, which is nice. And the definition, like terminal illness for uh, domestic abuse, is extremely broad. So I'm not going to read it here. It's actually like a little half paragraph. But if you, this is you or someone that you think applies to, again, it doesn't start till 2024, but um, I think a lot of people are going to qualify. Another one, uh, hardship, emergency hardship. So this is limited to a maximum of $1,000 per year. So almost think of it as like your emergency fund because the United States, I forget the stat, but I think it's like 60 or 40, I don't know, 50 to 60% of the United States couldn't survive a $1,000 unplanned expense, like a car breaking down. So this gives you the ability to tap retirement accounts for up to $1,000 per year. So I think that's kind of nice, mostly because a lot of times when we're talking about retirement planning for people, we don't want people to start investing without emergency funds in place because of that exact reason. You know, if the stock market is going to average 6% a year for you and your credit card's 20% a year and you have no emergency fund and then God forbid something happens to your vehicle and you have a $500 unplanned expense that now gets put on a credit card, doesn't do you a lot of good start paying 20% of that $500 when you have money stuck in a 401k because you decided to invest versus build that emergency fund. So I like this because it kind of gives you the ability to do both. So that if you really need the money, you have access to it, you're borrowing it from yourself, not a credit card, which obviously can be pretty expensive. And you have up to three years to pay it back. And much like the last two examples, the definition is broad. Um, I'll even read this one because it's a little shorter. 
unforesee unforeseeable and immediate financial needs relating to necessary personal or family emergency expenses. So that's awesome. Like it's very broad, gives you access to a small amount of money. Obviously that's not going to bail people out if they have a major financial need, but that's of course why when you're investing, you need to stop sometimes and think about the emergency cash funds. And I get this question a lot because people are like, Hey, I got five or 10 grants and around what should I invest in? And they have no emergency fund. Unfortunately, the boring answer is don't invest, put that in, put that aside because it's way more expensive to have to roll something of $10,000 onto a credit card. So let's see the, now this last one, I believe this is the last one. Yes. The last one is what we just talked about, but it's even better. So now they've created an emergency savings account as part of 401ks. Now I use 401ks because that's usually what you're going to get discussed being a, a solo entrepreneur in the fitness space, especially even if you have a team, you're going to not be a solo 401k, but probably a safe harbor 401k but it's broadly called employer plan, but that's because there's a lot of different types of companies out there that would have different types of plans. But most commonly for you, you're gonna be hearing about 401ks. This allows you to have an emergency savings account attached to the plan. So your executive team, your top people, they're ineligible for this, but for all the people in your, like they call it like kind of the rank and file, and I don't mean that in any disparaging way, it's kind of the legal term for it in a lot of these plan documents and, the way um, the government refers to it, like the government regulators, which is ERISA, E-R-I-S-A. Um, I forget it, that acronym at the moment, but um, that's what they, they refer to. But what's nice here for your team is that if you're offering them a match, like I recently did a uh, my blog article on payroll. Actually, I think it launched today. can't remember. <laughs> and I talked about how you can reduce your payroll expenses by switching out people's wages for benefits. So maybe you offer 100% of their medical and that costs you five grand a year. So instead of paying them uh, 60 grand in salary, maybe you paid them 55 and gave them 100% health insurance that cost you five. So they're still getting a compensation of 60, but you get a tax break because you get, you, you get to pay less wages, which costs you less taxes on those wages and they get the equivalent benefit. So you might do the same with a 401k where you say, I'm gonna put in whatever, let's just call it $5,000 into your plan. So if they, or sorry, sorry, you'll match up to that month, that number in that scenario. So if they're do, participating in your 401k plan just to get the match, cause that's like universal advice in the investment business saying, Hey, make sure you get the match from your employee. Cause that's free money. So if, if you're in a situation financially where you can't really afford to participate in your 401k, but you're like, ah, I really want that match. It's free money. It's like, you basically get a hundred percent return on your money that year. Cause if you manage to put in $2,000, you all of a sudden get another two and now you have 4,000 in your 401k and you only put two into it. So that's a pretty cool feature. And it's exciting for your team. And those are really nice benefits for both of you because, and I wrote this in the article, I feel like the perceived value is even more because a lot of people aren't offering benefits, especially in the really small business world. So 
equivalent salaries plus benefits, I think it's really a it's it's a perceived value, and they don't know is potentially that it's saving you money as well. It's it's lower cost for you to have them as an employee versus if you were just paying all those quote unquote benefits as wages. But getting back to what we talked about five minutes ago, if your employee is sitting down with their financial planner and they're just like, damn, like I don't have my emergency fund. So I really shouldn't be putting money into this 401k. Like I need to be putting every dollar into this emergency fund to make sure I'm covered from an unforeseen incident. This now allows them to do both because they can put that money into your 401k, triggers the eligibility for whatever your match is, and up to $2,500 of that money can be pushed into what's called an emergency savings account. So they have the ability to use it like like it's a cash equivalent. And so they have the ability to use it like it's their emergency fund but they're still qualifying for you. And I won't dive into it here, but that's really cool for you as well as the employee, employer, sorry. Because when you do these plans, you want people to participate because it hurts you, the business owner, if they don't. Because all these rules, if you have employees, are set up so that you can't screw over your lower level employees and favor all of your like executive team for, per se. So if you've got you and like two or three head coaches that are highly compensated, maybe pay them each 200K a year, then you have a bunch of admin and all these other employees that maybe you only pay them 50,000 a year. You you can't set up all your plans so that all your top friends get all the perks and the lower level employees get nothing. So there's a lot of rules and testing and things like that that make sure you're doing things right by the lower paid employees. So you want them to voluntarily contribute because it costs you less out of pocket often if they're voluntarily participating versus if you basically need to quote unquote pay their way and pay for them so that they meet the eligibility limits. So this is a cool feature where you can say, hey, like, you know, maybe you're not as financially strong as some of the other people on my team, but you're building your emergency cash fund and I'm matching it like you should do this and it's it's a win-win for people. So I hope they expand on this even more because there needs to be more ways to force people to have these emergency funds. And I hope they also continue to give people the autonomy on where they put it because I don't like to get political for five seconds. I don't like when they, on one hand, want to get on their microphone and say, screw Wall Street, they're selfish, they're greedy, they're this, they're that. And then they turn around and force you to use Wall Street. So give you a clear example. If you, when you start investigating the 529 in your area after listening to this podcast, you'll find you cannot self-direct this 529. They're state-run and the fees are high. So they can get on the microphone and say, college is expensive and screw Wall Street. And then forcing you to use a 529 that's controlled by some Wall Street firm in each state. So it's very hypocritical. So I hope in these types of situations, they just continue to allow the self-directing. So let's see. I believe that was everything. Um, Yeah, that was, there's a couple other, I mean, there's more than a couple. There was a lot in this. Um, It extended the deadlines for a few of the retirement accounts, which is nice. So 
gives some late planning for people that might have missed missed the boat. Um, but in general, the the main takeaways from this this new legislation, I shouldn't, I don't think I called it a bill. It's a law. I, I think everyone signed it. So one of the things, the, the two takeaways, like I said in the beginning, there's a lot more ways to put money into your retirement vehicles what, by paying the taxes now and then having the ability of a tax-free retirement, which is extremely valuable because the typical advice people are given is take all the tax deductions while you're working. And then in retirement, you'll have significantly lower income and then you'll start pulling the money out. So it's a win-win. But if you're listening to this, you're most likely an entrepreneur and trying to be very successful and build your wealth. So who the hell wants to retire and have crappy income? You want to have tax-free income. You want to have assets, but you don't want to have be in a situation where you've been making high six figures your whole life or low seven figures your whole working life or most of your working life and you've built up all these assets and then you flip the switch and you have virtually no income. Like that's not what most people are like hoping for in retirement. Like again, if some of those assets are positioned where their the cash flow is tax free, well, hell yeah, that's awesome. That is what we're going for. Not less money on the tax return, but not less money coming to your pocket. So that's why I don't like a lot of it. The quote unquote traditional Wall Street financial advisor advice, because quite frankly, that's not what most people's goals are. Maybe in the W-2 world, that's pretty fair, but not for you guys as entrepreneurs. You're not trying, you're not, that's not our, that's not our goal. Like we're, we're trying to build our companies as big as possible. We want our retirements to be just as good, if not better than our working years from a financial perspective. So as always, hope this is super helpful information. There is, I didn't go as deep on a lot of these. Again, these are fairly new, um, but, and even some of them, we're, we're going to need to get more guidance from the IRS and from Congress. But overall, it was, a, it was a pretty positive piece of legislation that was passed. So hopefully it's helpful. As always, you guys have questions, DM me at the Pat Darby on Instagram. It's the same on TikTok, but I'm much more active on Instagram. And have a great weekend. Have a great week, not weekend. Well, have a great weekend too. All right, guys. See ya. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes. For video clips and more information on tax and retirement strategies for fitness entrepreneurs, please follow my Instagram at the Pat Darby. If you found value in this episode, please do us a favor and share with a friend. If you tag me, that'd be appreciated also. Lastly, for help implementing any of the topics discussed, please book a call. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.